There was a guy who kind of got a traffic citation, and he didn't have the money to pay for the fine, so he ended up in prison. While in prison, he was sitting having a meal with some of the other prisoners. All of a sudden, at the end of the table, one guy stood up and said, number 10, and everybody started laughing in the place. He looked a little puzzled, went on for a few more moments, and another guy somewhere else sitting there having lunch got up and said, number two, and everybody started laughing, and he was really confused. The guy sitting across from the table to him said, what, he said, what's going on? He said, well, you see, we've been here long enough, and we've probably heard every joke there ever is. We're tired of saying them, so we put numbers to them. And so when somebody stands up, everybody here knows what that joke is, and so they laugh. He says, oh, really? Well, can, can I try it? He says, sure, go ahead. So he stands up. He says, number 15. Nobody laughs. He sits back down. The guy across the table says, you're not very good at telling jokes, are you? What's the point? The point is this. Everyone in Israel knew the Psalms. They knew the Psalms so much that if you could say the number, they knew which Psalm it was. In fact, what they did was not numbers, but the first line of the Psalm. Anyone could start just with the first line and everybody else would join in because they knew them from memory. They were the songs of David, the psalms of the prophets, the psalms about the Messiah. In fact, we see that lived out when Jesus is on the cross and he says the first line to the psalm, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Everybody standing around that was Jewish would have known the psalm that he was calling on, the messianic psalm. They would have known the context. Why am I saying that? Because today's song, the Magnificat, is drawn from the Psalms. Mary knew the scriptures. Mary knew the Psalms. She knew them well. She had them memorized. When you were five years old, both boys and girls would enter what was known as Torah school. And they would learn and memorize the first five books of the Bible. Memorize. They knew them all. Girls were allowed up to that point, and then they would memorize the Psalms. Mary was steeped in the Scripture. She knew the words, and it comes out as she begins this song, the Magnificat. Where do we get these names from? The Benedictus, the Magnificat. They're the first lines also in Latin, Benedictus. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel. Benedictus, magnify, although the translation says glorify, my soul magnifies the Lord. That's the first line again in Latin. That's where these terms come from. We see in these words that Mary speaks understanding. We see depth. We see who it is that is going to instruct her newborn son when, she, when he comes of all that God has done. An eighth grader. Yeah, put it in perspective. Mary was about an eighth grader. She could have been somebody in our school. She's betrothed to Joseph. You remember back when we were in the series Ready, Willing, and Able, and we talked about the bridegroom coming, the three stages that take place in that. First, the betrothal. She would stay with her parents for about a year. Then would come the ceremony with the rabbi. And then finally, the bridegroom would come with the procession to take her into his house. She's betrothed. She's there for a year. And Gabriel comes, just leaving Elizabeth and Zechariah, comes to speak to her. Remember last week, Gabriel, who said to Zechariah, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God to bring a message now to 
an eighth grader. A message that is going to rock her world. A message that is going to shock her to the very core. A message that is going to put her in a position of danger, of suffering, of doubt, of wonder, of trying to understand. Mary, you're going to have a child. Isn't it interesting how Mary responds? She responds to the biological question. She knows how it all goes together. How is this going to happen? I'm a virgin. I don't understand. And Gabriel says, the power of the Most High will overshadow you because the child that would be born in you will be the Son of God, will be holy. Mary tries to take this all in, tries to understand what this angel is saying. But she's not like Zacharias. She doesn't resist. She says, well, give me a sign. Prove this to me. She simply says in the humility of an eighth grader, let it be as you have said, whatever you will. You know, Gabriel says, look, things are possible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. It will happen just as it has been said. And Mary takes all these things. You know, the scriptures tell us Mary pondered these things in her heart, that word. That word really means to discern. It's what the word is used when the prophets would try to discern the word of the Lord coming to them and how they were to speak to the people. What exactly were they saying? What exactly does this mean? Mary had time to discern, to think about what this meant to her, to think about all the events that were taking place around the birth of this child who was going to be the savior of the world, the true savior of the world. Mary was engulfed in a world where there was an imposter, somebody else who called himself a savior. Caesar Augustus. Caesar Augustus was the one who had been adopted and had been brought to power. He was the one who brought about the Pax Romano, the peace of Rome. And it was proclaimed all through the Roman Empire of what Caesar had done of Augustus. He was the prince of peace. He was the son of God because he was the emperor declared divine. He was the one whose reign would last forever. He was the savior of the empire. All this was proclaimed in all corners of the Roman Empire, including Jerusalem. And do you know what they called it when they proclaimed it? The good news, the gospel. Isn't it interesting how Satan takes the things of this world to twist and to pervert what is true, to make people bow down and worship the wrong thing? But now into this world, the angel tells Mary, the true savior of the world is coming, the true prince of peace, the one who is the son of the most high, the one who will bring hope to the world. Mary has a lot to ponder, a lot to think about. And finally, as she ponders it and as she thinks about it, it erupts in this song, this song that is drawn from the Psalms where she speaks of the wonders of God. Now, I want you to think about that song, of singing that song. It wasn't just an instant in her life. It was a song that probably went over and over in her head, thinking about all the things were, that were happening. You know, she probably taught it, to her newborn son. I say that because, you know, there are times when we're driving in the car, Sarah and I, and something will remind me of something and I'll start singing a little ditty. And still after all the years we've been married, she'll turn and look at me and like, where did that come from? She's, I said, it's a song that my grandmother taught me when I was a little kid and it just something clicked it. And she's like, oh my goodness, there is so much useless trivia in that head. <laughs> it's true. 
How many of you were taught songs by parents or grandparents, things that you can still remember from childhood? Why would Mary be any different? You know, a lot of times I think we think theologically that Jesus, when he was born, was ready to start spouting theology and other things. But we just confessed in the creed, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven, was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary, and was made man. He had to learn to speak, to be taught. He had to learn to walk. He had to learn about the scriptures, to be taught the scriptures. It wasn't just in him because of who he was. Paul tells us that he emptied himself of that divinity, put it on the shelf not to access it, and he lived like you and I. So who do you think taught Jesus the scriptures, the wealth of knowledge, who taught this song to him, this Magnificat about what God had done in his life. Can't you just picture a young Jesus, three or four, telling Mary, Mary, Mommy, tell me the story about the angel again when he came to you. Tell me what he said to you. Tell me those words that he spoke to you. Tell me the things that surrounded the birth again. Tell me who came. Mary taught Jesus because of the things that she had pondered and discerned from the word of God, learning the different things. She was the one who told him words that would live with him forever in his adult life. Maybe words that we see pop out later in scripture came from that song that Mary taught him early in his life. When when the angel Gabriel said to Mary, nothing is impossible with God. And Jesus talking to his disciples one day about how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. And they said, well, then who can be saved? Jesus says, with God, nothing is impossible. Where do you think he first heard that? As a child from his mother who told him over and over again of the wonders that God was doing through him, of who he was coming into this world to be not the imposter that Caesar was, but the true Savior, the true Prince of Peace, the true one who would bring hope to the world. Mary said to Gabriel, let it be as you have said. Whatever happens to me, it doesn't matter. Bring it on. What do we see Jesus saying as he's praying in agony in the Garden of Gethsemane, asking that the cup could be passed for him? Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Where do you think he learned an attitude of submission, an attitude that everything with God can happen, that God's will is more important than my will? It came from Mary, his mother, who taught him, who raised him, who spoke the scriptures to him, who sang this song over and over again in his life that he might learn and know the wonders of the God who was his father, the God who brought him in the world to be the Savior. Mary endured suffering. Mary endured hardship. She could have been stoned in that culture, put to death. Joseph was such a kind man that he wouldn't see that happen. You know, I happened to watch this last week, the nativity story was on. And I really, because I knew I was going to preach the sermon, kind of looked at it from Mary and Joseph's perspective a little more. To see somebody whose heart was broken, to find out that the one you're going to marry, you're betrothed to now, 
is going to have a child and you're thinking my world's falling apart and yet God's working his plan through that and yet in this he doesn't want vengeance, he's kind, he's taking care of her to see that love grow. All those things Mary would tell her son what she had to endure, that God will keep his faithfulness, that God will do the things that he has said, that through you God is faithful to Abraham, God is faithful to our fathers, God is faithful. That song was a song to fill her heart and to fill his heart as he grew with the wonders of who God was. I want you to hear the words of that song again, but as you hear this song, I want you to think about it in terms of Mary singing it to Jesus over and over again. As he's taking this in, as she's witnessing to God's faithfulness and love of what God has done, of who he is, of all the things that are coming apart. I want you to hear that as Luke records it for us. Luke, who probably eyewitness interviewed Mary. She'd have been about 70 when Luke wrote his gospel. When he sat down and Mary recounted all these things happening again, all the things that took place in life as Luke's writing them down to record for us of the wonders of God. What an incredible song this is of what God is able to do. And if God can do all things, if nothing is impossible for God, if God can work this out in the lives and through rulers and world powers, isn't this a God that you can put your faithfulness in? Isn't it a God that you can trust to work things out in your life? Like I said, Joseph's heart was broken. He thought his marriage was over. He thought his life was over. He didn't know God was working a plan and would later tell him it's okay to be with Mary. Mary took it on, didn't know what would happen. She knew there was danger ahead and didn't know how the world was going to react, but she went forward. And all of it worked out in God's plan. So it is with us when there's darkness in our lives and we wonder how are we ever going to find a way out of this darkness. Never forget God's hand is on you. He works his plans. He works his way. He has promised to work all things together for good for you, for those who love him, just as he worked all things together for good for Mary to be able to rejoice in the words of the Magnificat. Let's hear that once again. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. 
What child is this who laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping? Whom angels greet with anthem sweet while shepherds watch our keeping. This, this is Christ the King, whom shepherds guard and angels sing. Haste, haste to bring him, Lord, the babe, the son of man. So bring him incense, gold and myrrh, come peasant king to own him, the king of kings salvation brings, let loving hearts enthrone him, raise, raise a song on high, the virgin sings a lullaby. Joy, joy for Christ is born, the babe, the son of Mary. Born the babe, the son of man.